All right. So Psalm 34, let's read the first couple verses. I'm a little nervous. Psalm 34, verse 1. David speaking, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him, and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, David speaking, wow, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, and delivereth them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. O fear the Lord, ye His saints, for there is no want to them that fear Him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Now there's two fears mentioned in this passage that David talks about. You can look at verse number four. You see that first fear. It says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. That fear that David had is a fear that he had to be delivered from. It was a fear that he already had. It was innate. It was something that he had, that he asked the Lord, the Lord delivered me from all my fears, plural. But there's another fear, one that he talks about in this chapter and it's right there, uh, it's mentioned actually four times. It's mentioned uh, right there in verse 7. The angel of the Lord campeth around about them that fear him. It says in verse 9, he's telling other people, Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints. So it's something that not to be delivered from, but something that he encouraged other people to do. And then in verse 11, Come ye children, hearken unto me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. So there's two fears in the Bible. There's a fear to be delivered from, and there's a fear that we should be striving towards as children of God, as saints. There's a fear that we have to learn, and uh, hopefully that's what we'll talk about tonight, the fear of the Lord. Because if we want to grow, if we want to be blessed, and if we want to grow the right way, we, as children of God, need to know the fear of the Lord. And that's where I was going to pray, but we already prayed. So, uh, <laughs> you can turn with me to Psalm 145. We'll see where the, where the fear of the Lord begins. The fear of the, the, fear of the Lord begins where your life, uh, when your life really begins. Now, I'm not talking about your birth. I'm talking about your spiritual birth. Psalm 145, Psalm 145, the fear of the Lord, right at the get-go, is something that we need. The fear of the Lord. Uh, Psalm 145. Uh, If you get there, say amen. 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 Look at verse number 18. It says, The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon Him. Amen. To all that call upon Him in truth, He will fulfill the desire of them that fear Him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. You know when when your life really started? Your life didn't start the day you were born. I was born April 21st, 1997. Now the internet knows I'm 25 years old. That's not when my life started. My life really started when my spirit was quickened. And the Bible says when you were born again. And you know when that happened? When I called upon the Lord. But in that calling upon the Lord, you know what happened? What's going on, Jesus? Good to see you. In, in that calling upon the Lord, you know what was there right at the beginning? The fear of the Lord. You see it right there. The Lord is nigh to all them that call upon Him. You call upon the Lord. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear Him. Now, I don't know how you can get saved and want to go to heaven without having a fear of God and not wanting to go to hell. Amen? The fear of the Lord is right there at the beginning of your salvation. Some of you don't believe me. Turn with me to Luke chapter 12. 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 Look at verse number 4. Jesus is speaking here. The fear of the Lord. Our walk starts when we fear the Lord enough to call upon Him for salvation. Luke chapter 12, verse number 4, Jesus is speaking. He says, And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, 
and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear, fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Hey, Jesus Christ didn't preach always about heaven. Most of the time he's preaching about hell and he's warning people. He says, you better fear God. You better fear the one that doesn't have... Listen, they might be able to kill you. Really, it's God allowing them to do that. But, you know, who do you really have to worry about? The one that's going to kill you and send you to heaven, amen? Or the one that's going to kill you and if you're not saved, is going to send you into hell. That's the person we're supposed to fear. Look at... uh, get, Get Matthew chapter 27 in one hand and Luke 23 in the other, if you can. Matthew 27. I want to show you an example of salvation in the Bible and how the fear of the Lord worked right there in the midst of it. The fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord right at the beginning. Matthew chapter 27 in one hand and Luke 23 in the other. We're going to be ambidextrous tonight. Two hands. Matthew 27. And uh, pick it up in verse 38. Wait for the pages to stop. Matthew 27, 38. The Bible says, then, we're talking about the crucifixion here, then were there two thieves, right? There's two of them, crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left, because he was, he was numbered with the transgressors, the Bible says. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself if thou be the Son of God. Come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests, mocking him with the scribes and elders said, he saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him, be, let him deliver him now if we will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. Watch for the thieves, plural, also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. You know what that means? They were saying the same thing. They were mocking Jesus Christ. They're there crucified with him. They're mocking him, right? Like, save yourself and save us. But pick it up in Luke 23. We get a different, we get a different account, a different portion of uh, Scripture, a little bit more light on the subject. Look at Luke 23. The beauty of the, of the Bible, you get a little bit more light the more you compare Scripture with Scripture. Luke 23, pick it up with me in verse number 39. We see the same scene, and one of the malefactors, now only one of them saying this, which were, ra- which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. You got two people there, we read in Matthew chapter, uh, chapter t- uh, 27, both of them accusing Jesus Christ, both of them saying, uh, mocking him and saying, But you know what happened? Something happened to that other thief. Amen. I don't know which one it was, on the left Amen. or the right. Hopefully it was the right. Most likely it was the right. He saw how Jesus Christ was crucified. I mean, you saw the centurion at the end. He knew that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He says, surely this man was the Son of God. That thief is watching this guy who he probably had heard of Jesus Christ because Paul said later on uh, in the book of Acts that this thing was not done in the corner. I mean, Jesus Christ, we read all throughout the Gospels how the fame of him was spread abroad. So he probably knew about this guy, Jesus, and he's seeing him crucified, all these people mocking him, and he's not dying the same way other men are dying. And something happened in one of those thieves. It says right there in verse 40, but the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God? Right there in the midst. You know what was happening to him? The fear of God was coming upon him. He said, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? You know what was happening in that thief? The same thing that happened to you, hopefully, if you're saved. Amen. I hope you're saved here tonight. The same thing that has to happen if you want to go to heaven. you got to realize, like that thief, man, I'm stuck. <laughs> that thief was right there dying on the cross. And before Jesus Christ, you know where you were? You were stuck dying on that cross, too. You might not have realized it. You might have been walking around saying, man, i got a perfect bill of health. I'm walking around. But spiritually, the Bible says, and you were dead in sin, uh, trespasses and sins. And you were there, crucified hanging just waiting to die and that's where you were stuck on that cross right there right next to but then you know what happened the fear of God starts working and you say you know what my life's about to end and if what this is if 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 what I know about the Bible if what I know about the truth is is true that means that I'm going to come to a worse end if I don't get on the side of Jesus Christ right now so you know what happens right there he says and we indeed justly the the fear of God was so strong in him verse 41 it humbled him for we received the due reward of our deeds he acknowledged his sins but this man hath done nothing amiss he knew Jesus Christ was innocent and he said unto Jesus Lord he acknowledged who he was 
remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And you got to love verse 43. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, truly, I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Can I tell you, Jesus Christ is nigh unto all them that call upon him. You don't have to turn there, but in Psalm 33, I want to read this to you. Psalm 33, verse number 18, the Bible says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him upon them that hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. That's where the fear of God starts. That's where the fear of God has to start in our lives to, for salvation. It has to start right there. Where, and you know what God says? He says, my eyes are on that person. Amen. You fear God says, I see you. I see you, and, I'm, and you're hoping in my mercy. You're afraid of me. You have the right fear in you. I'm going to give you the mercy that you're desiring of. He'll give you that mercy. He'll give you that mercy. That's the, that's the, that's the faith and the grace of Almighty God. You know, don't we sing it? Amazing grace. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. There's, a, there's two different types of fears. God's grace, the fear of God is going to give you the right fear. The grace of God is going to give you the right fear, the fear of the Lord first. That's going to deliver you from hell. That's going to be the impetus to say, hey, I don't want to burn forever. That's a fearful thing to fall into. The, the Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews. God is scary. <laughs> Plain and simple. He's a scary dude. I don't want to cross him. I don't want that wrath upon me. The, didn't, didn't, don't we, um, doesn't the Bible say in John chapter 1, the law, for the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ, right? What came first, though? The law. Because you know what you need to know? Hey, that, back in Homeland, back in the, in the, in the uh, YouTube, YouTube world, the law has to come first because you have to know that you have sinned against the Holy God and that His wrath is abiding on you. So the law, that's why Jesus Christ, uh, that's why the Bible's laid out the way it, uh, it is. God had to give the law first to give people the understanding, hey, you need a Savior. You are a sinner and you're bound for hell and my wrath is upon you. And then the grace and the truth comes. Then the love of Jesus Christ comes. But the fear of the Lord has to come first. Uh, what does it say? Uh, turn with me to Psalm chapter 36. Psalm chapter 36, if you can. I want to fl- have you flipping around a little bit. Psalm 36. Psalms chapter 36. Pick it up in verse number 1. <laughs> David is speaking. He says, The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart, that there is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flattereth himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. The words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. He hath left off to be wise and to do good. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, you know what the problem with the wicked is? The problem with this world is there's no fear of God. That's why people go out and they murder people. There's no fear of God. They don't, I mean, why are you going to fear the government? They're going to let you out for free without bail. There's no fear of God before their eyes. Why do people get, unfortunately, raped? Why do people have to go through all this? Why do people get extorted? Why is, there, why is there pedophile rings? Why is there all these horrible, wicked things? There's no fear of God before their eyes. He says it right there. In fact, Paul, when he's, con- when he's in his great letter of the, of the book of Romans, when he's writing out the doctrinal treaties, when he's getting in, in Romans chapter 3, when he's concluding all under sin, when he says there's none righteous, no, not one, he starts listing off all these different attributes of the wicked, right? He says that... Um, their mouths are like open sepulchers. There's deceit under their tongues, like the poison of ass. He says uh, their feet are swift to, to, um, to shed innocent blood. And every one of those verses, I think taking up from verse 10 to verse 18, there's a colon. The, the, the thought is continuing. The thought is continuing until you get to verse 18 of Romans 3.18. And it says, for there is no fear of God in their eyes. He quotes th- Psalm 36.1. Basically saying, conclusion, the reason why the wicked are the way they are and the reason why, the, why they're condemned and why there's none the righteous is because there's no fear of God. They don't fear God. How can you... There's no fear of God before their eyes. That's the wicked. The Bible says uh, in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. You know what it's saying there? It says, hey... You know where your, your walk started? The beginning 
start, the first time you really start having any type of real knowledge is when you start fearing the Lord. But he says, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. They think little of it. They don't really care for it. Doesn't the Bible say in Psalm 14 verse 1, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. That's why. That's why, that's, that's why the wicked are stuck the way they are. Hopefully that's not you. Hopefully you had enough sense and enough fear of God in you to believe what he said. Right? The Bible says, if you want to turn there with me to Psalm 110, Psalm 110, the, the fear of the Lord, we, I, I just quoted to you in, in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, is the beginning of knowledge. Now, knowledge is facts, information. You need knowledge. The Bible says that he wants you to increase in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But you know what else you need besides knowledge? You need wisdom. The Bible says in Psalm 111, you're all there. Look at verse number 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That means how to apply that knowledge. It says, a good understanding have all they that do His commandments. His praise endureth forever. You know, you know what that means? It says, you were able to get the knowledge of Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection. And then you had the wisdom to say, I don't want to burn forever for my own sins. You already took my sins upon you, Jesus Christ. I'm going to call upon you. And you know what you did? You obeyed the gospel. You know, I, I, I know it says right, right there, I'm, going to get, I'm dispensationally correct. I know it says a good understanding of all they that do his commandments. We're talking about the Old Testament. But you know what the commandment is right now? Believe the gospel. The Bible at the end of Romans chapter 16 talks about the, uh, the commandment that has gone out and it says to the obedience of faith. You know what you have to do right now if you want to be saved? You still have to obey the gospel. That's what it says. Look at, if you want to have a, a hand there, look at uh, Romans chapter 6 verse 17. You don't have to if you don't want to. But Romans chapter 6 verse 17, I'm going to read it to you. It says, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Hey, there's a lot of bad doctrine out there about how to be saved. There's certain doctrines that say you need to get in the water to be saved. There's certain doctrines like in certain churches that say you need to have a sprinkling to be saved. There's certain doctrines in certain churches. These are all bad doctrines. These are not good doctrines. You know what he's commending the Roman church for doing? He said, we gave you the gospel, the, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the, the, simple, the simplicity in Christ, how you just call upon him on faith. You believed it. Do you believe that form of doctrine? You know what he says? That's wisdom. That's the fear of the Lord incited that. It started that. That's where our walk begins. You know, that's not only where our walk begins. That's where the church began. The church itself, the the body of Christ began in the fear of the Lord. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. I'll show you. Acts chapter 2. The fear of the Lord. It's all throughout your Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. It transcends dispensations. It's something that we always need, the fear of the Lord. Acts chapter 2. You can pick it up with me in verse number 36. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. So Peter, right, this is the day of Pentecost. This is the birth of the church. Peter has just finished rebuking Israel for, uh, and, and all the, the men of Israel, you can see in verse 22, ye men of Israel, hear these words. So he starts preaching them Jesus Christ, showing from the Old Testament and showing from the book of Psalms that he was Christ, that, you, that you've fulfilled the, uh, the prophecies, that the, your elders have crucified the Son of God and the Son of Glory, that now, th- and it says in verse 36, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. That's probably a terrifying message to be heard, right? It says verse, verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. Remember that phrase, pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Hey, if you realize, as the nation just realized, we killed our Messiah, what are we going to do now? There's some fear in their heart. It says, then Peter said unto them, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I know that doctrinally doesn't work out right now, but at the time, he was correcting what he was preaching. For the promise is unto you and to the, your children and to all that are far off, even as many as call on the, uh, as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. 
Then they that gladly received his word, because not everybody received it, were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So the church is born, 3,000 souls. Watch this now. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. The fear of the Lord is right there in the beginning of the church in, in, in Acts chapter 2. What about the, the apostle to the church, right? Why don't you turn with me to Acts chapter 9. The apostle to the Gentiles. Our apostle, Apostle Paul. How did his uh, walk start? I could tell you it started, if you guessed it, the fear of the Lord. Acts chapter 9, verse number 1 Uh, It says, uh, the Bible says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. I mean, he had, the Bible says in another place, that he dragged people out of their houses, he would drive them to the prisons, he murdered people, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Key note right there, you persecute God's church, you're persecuting God himself, just so you know. So don't hurt the body because the body is Jesus Christ. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? That's a good question to ask. That's the first question you should say. Who are you, God? And he's going to answer you. And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now, there's two types of uh, things in the book of Acts that you'll see. You'll see the pricks of the heart. That's a good thing. If God's pricking your heart, don't, don't shy away from that. And then there's times where the Bible says you're cut to the heart. And that usually ends up pretty bad. So when God's pricking you, he's, trying, he's giving you that impetus to come to him. And he's trying to woo Saul right now. And watch Saul, uh, Saul's reaction. And he, trembling and astonished. Was he trembling out of love? No. He's realizing who Jesus Christ really is. I've murdered your disciples. I was there when they killed your prophet Stephen. I was there. I held their coats. He might have been there. I mean, I'm sure he, Saul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, the Bible says in the book of Philippians. I'm sure he had heard of Jesus Christ. I'm sure he was happy about his crucifixion. I mean, he was trying to squash this thing called Christianity out from the get-go. And all of a sudden, the realization is coming to him. I'm wondering if, because you know how God pricks you? He pricks you by his word. So Saul was a pretty smart dude when it came to the Bible and the Old Testament. And I'm wondering if all those times he was hearing people preach, the word of God was getting into him. When, when maybe when Stephen was preaching that last sermon, because he was there and he recited, he recited to him all the, all the history of the children of Israel. I wonder if the word of God was just pricking him and pricking him and saying, that's right, you know it's true, you know that was the Messiah, you know you crucified him, the, f- the scriptures were fulfilled, and now he's there, he's trembling, and he says, Lord, what will ha- thou have me to do? His walk started right there. Amen. He says, who are you, Lord? Lord, what, do you have, what would you have me to do? Right there, he got saved. Now watch it, uh, what happens in the rest of the verse, because some of you still don't believe me about the fear of the Lord, but I'm going to show you. Look at uh, verse number 28. So Saul gets cleaned up. He gets his, his eyes open from Ananias. He eats, some, he eats some meat, and immediately he goes out and starts preaching Jesus Christ in Damascus, the place that he was going to go kill Christians. He ends up wanting to go back to Jerusalem. They didn't want to be around him because they were like, are you really a disciple? Barnabas stood up for him, and then it says in verse 28, And he was with them, coming in and going out at Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus, and disputed against the Grecians. But they went about to slay him, which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea, and sent him forth to Tarsus. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria. Because that, at that point, that's where the word of God was preached and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, were multiplied. That's where the church began. Began in the fear of the Lord. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not speaking uh, Swahili here, right? You're reading the same words I'm reading. The fear of the Lord was right there at the beginning. Now, that's where our walk starts. That's where the church starts. But you know what? 
That's where our walk continues. We don't leave the fear of the Lord once we get saved. We continue in the fear of the Lord. Now, uh, <clears throat> turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. Get some practical stuff here, hopefully. Because the Bible is practical. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 17. Just want to show you that we should be walking in the fear of the Lord. I'll explain more about what that is in a little bit. Verse 17, And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, right? Because in the Old Testament, when the, a, a male was born, they had to redeem that child from from Jesus uh, from from Jehovah by giving them uh, I forget what the shekels of the it says somewhere in Leviticus about giving them shekels or something like that. So they would have to be redeemed. They had to redeem the first their firstborn uh, human. The, the, the animals they would give to God says you're not redeemed like that no more but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot he's saying listen if you're going to sojourn down here if you've called upon the Father I hope you've called upon Jesus Christ if you're going to sojourn down here because that's all we're doing we're, all, we're only on a pilgrimage it's only for a short time we have a goal we have a, we, we're going to make it to the other side uh, one day soon he says if you're going to do it pass the time of your sojourning here in fear the fear of the Lord. Now, he doesn't say, don't be afraid. He says, have that right godly fear because you realize what you've been redeemed with. Listen, the Old Testament did not have the salvation that we have today. Amen. We have something. To whom much is given, the Bible says, much is required. Amen. We've been given something so much greater, eternal security, a home in heaven, the Holy Spirit to indwell inside of us. God's given us so much more than them. He's given us a complete scripture. We know the end from the beginning now because God's revealed it to us. We know that we don't, we know being so in the times and the seasons around us that we, right now, today, in 2023, are going to be leaving this planet soon. He says, listen, guys, have some fear, God on you as you t- uh, walk this walk. Check it up in, uh, ver- in chapter 2. Look at verse number 17. It's all throughout this epistle. All throughout Peter's epistle. It says in uh, chapter 2, verse 17, Honor all men. All right. Give them honor. Honor to whom honor, the Bible says. Love the brotherhood. That's a command. Fear God. Amen. Honor the king. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. Does that mean I'm supposed to be afraid of my master? Am I supposed to be afraid of my boss? No. Realize that you have a master in heaven that you have to answer to. That's where the fear comes in. Not to be afraid of your, of your, your master down here. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froze. So even the ones that don't give you a raise when you're supposed to get a raise. Uh, look at um, chapter 3, verse number 1. It says, Likewise... Ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, amen, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word uh, be uh, without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Ladies, you have a great testimony because you are a type of the Holy Spirit. And we might not be able to give in someone by our words sometimes, but when they look at your lives and they see your chaste conversation that you're not like everybody else in the world, coupled with the fear of the Lord, you might be able to win some souls to Jesus Christ for the glory of God. Hey, we're all supposed to be preaching the Gospels, not just the men, the women too, amen? You've been given a a great high calling. Uh, It says, uh, look at verse number 15 of the same chapter. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Right? It's right there. He says, listen, 
You have the opportunity to give someone the gospel. You have the opportunity to to boast in Jesus Christ and tell people about what you have uh, because of him. Hey, you know what you should do? You should come in real low and in the fear of God saying, I don't want to blow this opportunity because those open doors don't always swing open. You pray for those open doors and when they open up, you got to go in with the fear of God behind you because your words might be right. The in the uh, life and death are in the power of the tongue. So your words might be what either helps someone unto God or damns them to hell. Listen, they're going to have to make their own decisions. I know, but why make it harder for people? Why give them a reason to refuse to believe? We should be giving them every example that we can to say, "Hey, you know what? I fear God. You should fear God too." Uh, look at. Um, They'll go anywhere. No, look at uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 towards the end. Hebrews chapter 12. Practical things. We should all have the fear of God in all, all aspects of our lives. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Look at verse... Uh, I kind of want to start in verse 27 actually. Uh, and this word... Uh, actually 26. 25. I'm sorry. Starting to verse 25, chapter 12, verse 25. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. When God speaks, you should listen. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. Right? Back on Sinai, when, Jesus, when God was on the earth, when he spoke, the, the, the earth trembled. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I, shall, I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signified the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. He's saying, one day God's going to speak, and everything's going to go up in smoke. There's got to be anything left. You, th- you think you're standing on something that right now that's solid? God says one day you're going to be standing before me and there's not going to be anything there. Heaven and earth shall flee away before him, it says in Revelation. Wherefore, we, in verse 28, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Listen, I talked to Brian about this the other day on Sunday night. I don't realize who I'm talking to when I pray sometimes. God is God. This is the God that spoke. I mean, we don't see space like we should sometimes, but he spoke all of the universe into existence. And we so candidly treat him and his word sometimes. We have no fear of God before our eyes as saved sometimes. We don't realize who we're dealing with. The children of Israel had one thing going for them. They saw the glory of God and they said, Moses, you talk to him. He's fear. He, we're, he, and God said, it was good that you feared me, he says in the book of Deuteronomy. It was a good thing that they said that to you because you know what? You should fear me because I am God. I'm holy. I'm higher and mightier than anybody else. We have to fear him. Our God's a consuming fire. Now, I know what you're going to say. But what about love, Josh? It can't all be fear. No, I know. I know. The love of God is what should constrain us to, to follow Jesus Christ. I know. But the fear of God and the love of God go hand in hand. Listen, uh, turn with me to, to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. I know. Fear of God's not like any other fear, though. The fear of the Lord is not like any other fear. Because there's two types of fears. We're going to look at it right now. Two types of fears. Look at 1 John chapter 4, the love chapter, right? 1 John chapter 4, look at verse number 16. And we know, I hope you know this, and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this, in this world, right? Right now, we're in the same predicament that Jesus Christ was in. He gave us the example. Listen, they're going to hate you. They're going to revile you. But don't worry. I love you. I'm going to help you get through just like my father helped me get through. There is no fear in love, the Bible says, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Hey, I love my dad. My dad loves me. I still fear my dad. 
I still have the fear of my father in me because he has rule and authority over me. That's the same type of, listen, you love God as your father. The fear that is talking about here, listen, I'm not saying we shouldn't, uh, that the, the love that God has for us should cast out the fear of the Lord. No, it should cast out the other fears. The fears that say that God's, no, that God's through with you or God doesn't want anything to do with you. Those, those lies, those fears that, we, that you might have to say, you know what, uh, you're, you're no good, stay down. Those, those false fears, because the Bible says in, Tim, in 2 Timothy chapter, two, verse seven, uh, chapter 1, verse 7, uh, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, right? So God didn't give you the spirit of fear. There's two types of fears. There's the fear that the spirit of fear gives you, and that could be anything. I mean, hopefully you don't have the fear of death anymore because God broke that fear over you, in, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2. He said he delivered them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So hopefully you don't have the fear of death anymore. Maybe the dying process, that might scare you, but, you, but God will give you grace if, you, if you're going through things. But you know what? That fear Fear, that's a different fear. That's the spirit of fear. But there's another spirit that you should have. Look at, uh, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. Because there's two spirits of fear. There's the spirit of fear which God hath not given us. That's, that's a different spirit. But in Isaiah chapter 11, we get a glimpse of another spirit. Uh, look at verse number 1. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, the Bible says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Talking about Jesus Christ. Watch it now. So in Revelations, uh, in Revelation 1, Revelation 3, Revelation 4, Revelation 5, it talks about the seven spirits that, that stand before the Lord. Because the Holy Spirit is one spirit, yes, but he has seven attributes, seven different aspects. This is where they're listed, right here. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, right? Just as Jesus Christ we're talking about. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, that's three. The Spirit of counsel and might. The Spirit of knowledge, uh-oh, and of the fear of the Lord. It's one of the spirits of God. That's the right spirit to have. Listen, he says, God hath not given us the spirit of fear. And you know what love does? It casts out that spirit. It casts out the spirit that says, ah, I can't come to you, God. No, no, no. My, sin, my blood has, covered your, uh, has taken away your sins. The blood of Jesus Christ. You confess your sins. You can come to me. It casts out that sin. But you know what then? He gives you the right spirit, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, the same spirit that Jesus Christ had. Now, I know I just had you there in Hebrews, but can you go back with me to Hebrews chapter 4, uh, Hebrews chapter 5, I should say. Because I want you to see this. Because we're talking about uh, Jesus Christ here, right? I'm going to keep reading in Isaiah chapter 11. But go, with, go to Hebrews chapter 5. It says uh, in verse number 3 of Isaiah 11, of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him, meaning Jesus, of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. That means Jesus Christ had to learn this. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearings of his ears. Hey, Jesus Christ had the fear of the Lord. How does that make any sense? I don't know. You, when you find out, you tell me. Look at Hebrews chapter 5. Look at verse number 7. Right? So it's talking about Jesus Christ here, right? As a, as, a, as, a, uh, as a priest after the order of Melchizedek. It says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, right? Because Jesus Christ knew that he was going to have to go to hell. He knew he was going to have to bear sin. And you know what? It says, And was heard in that he feared. It wasn't the tears. It wasn't the crying that got through to God. It was the fact that says, you're fearing the right, <laughs> you're fearing me, son. Amen. You have the fear of the Lord in you, son. I'm going to, you know what that means? That means that he's connecting answered prayer with the fear of God. Maybe that's why our prayers don't get answered sometimes. Maybe because we don't have the right fear. Maybe we're fearing the wrong thing. Maybe we're not fearing God like we should. And maybe God's like, why should I answer your prayers? You don't fear me like you ought to. Hey, it's right there from Genesis to Revelation. The fear of the Lord is everywhere. Uh, turn with me to, now I know what you're saying, or what you might be thinking. You know what, Josh, you're not really going to anything in the Pauline epistles. What's going on there, man? Uh, we're going there right now. Why don't you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Listen, it's not just Peter, it's not just Hebrews, it's not just John. Paul talks about the fear of the Lord too. The fear of the Lord is in every dispensation. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 for the Bible scholars who are ready to stone me. You're not talking about 
We're, we, we rightly divide. We rightly divide. Don't rightly divide yourself out of a Bible truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse number 1. Paul saying, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. He didn't come in his own wisdom or, or some fancy speech or whatever. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's, what, that's how Paul showed up to Corinth. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Question, was Paul afraid of the Corinthians? No. The Bible says in Acts chapter 14 on his first missionary journey that Paul was stoned outside of the city of either Lystra or Derby. And then when Jesus Christ gave him the spirit of life back in him, he got up and he went back into the city from which he was stoned. Paul had no fear of men. I can guarantee you that. Paul was whipped uh, 39 save one like five times. He was stoned, we already said. He was shipwrecked. He had a hard life, Paul. A lot to live up to. And you know what? He did not fear God. Uh, fear, fear men. You know who he feared? He feared God. You know what he did for them? Because it, 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 that was in Acts chapter 14. He didn't show up to Corinth until Acts chapter 18, the Bible says. Uh, that's when he shows up to them. And he says, I came, uh, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. You know why? He was fearing the Lord for them. Because <laughs> the, the closer you get to God, you see this with, um, with Moses, right? Every time the people were, were disobedient or were trying to do whatever to him, you know, oh, we're going to kill you, Moses, whatever, he would drop down on his face and start praying to God for mercy for them. Because Moses knew who they were dealing with. They might not have known him, but Moses knew he was dealing with. He said, I fear God, and I'm going to fear God for you. And you know what? As you grow in the Lord, you should have more fear of the Lord. As you get to know Him, you realize who He really is. And to the lost, how can they ever fear God? They barely know Him. They should, you know, we, we preach Christ crucified. We preach hell, hopefully, to people. And we warn them. So the Bible says, uh, preaching every man and warning every man. But until the fear of, the, of God gets in them, well, I mean, hopefully the fear of God starts, the, uh, starts their way and they get saved. But we that know God, we realize and we've learned how holy he is, how serious he takes sin, how much he loves his body, how much he, he uh, the power that he has. And <laughs> I mean, he's holding me up right now by his, by his spirit. Like he can, like that, drop me. I'm 25 years old and he can drop me like that. It's nothing to God. He breathes and, 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 and the wind blows. I mean, like he's an amazing, powerful God. We have to fear him. Uh, let's see. Uh, look at uh, 2 Corinthians, right? So that's how he came to the Corinthian church. And that's how you should come to people. You should come to people like we read in, uh, I think it was in Peter. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I think we read in Peter uh, where you answer people, you sanctify the Lord God in your heart and you answer them uh, with meekness and with fear. That's how you should approach people, the fear of God inside you. But look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Now, 2 Corinthians is all about um, is all about ministry. 2 Corinthians is all about ministry. It's 13 chapters long. Look at verse number 1. So this is the heart of the book of ministry. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I mean, do the math, right? 7 seven chap- seven's the middle, right? I'm not crazy. You can do math. Verse 1, he says, Having therefore... So if you want to minister, having therefore these promises, talking about all these other things, if you look at chapter 6, at the end of uh, at verse 16, God's promising to walk inside of you. God's promising to be your God. He says, uh, uh, be separate and I will receive you. I'll be a father unto you. All these promises from the pr- uh, past six chapters, he says, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. He says, and you know why you should? Look at, flip a a page back to chapter 5. We should be perfecting holiness in the fear of God because we have to answer for our lives and our service one day. What we've been given, we have to give account for, the Bible says. Look at verse number 10 of chapter 5. For we must all, right, you're saved, you're in that all, appear before the judgment seat of Christ. I don't think it's going to be a good time because I've seen the God judge in the Bible. Judgment's never really great. 
that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Look at verse 11. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We're going to stand before God eyeball to eyeball, and his eyes of fire are going to try all of our lives. We've been given so much in this country, specifically in our congregation. We've been given good doctrine. We've been given the right word of God. We've been given, I personally have been given a good family that loves Jesus Christ and has given me a good example to follow after. I've been in a good churches my entire life with, with men that, that love the book and love God and have been good examples to me. I've been given people who've prayed over me, people who've, who've, uh, who've given me opportunity to minister. I've been given so much I had to give account for. That's a terrifying thing. Every waking moment that we have, we have to give account for. Every idle word the Bible says we're going to give account for in the day of judgment. Every word. Was the word that came out of my mouth to help somebody or or to hurt somebody? I don't know. But I fear God, man. We have to fear God. Uh, Look at, uh, and maybe uh, go back to chapter 7 and look at verse number 10. Now maybe, uh, maybe you've messed up. Amen? We all messed up. Amen, amen. A part of godly sorrow, because there's sorrow where you're only sorry because you got caught, or you're sorry because you, you know, God took something away from you. But look at verse number 10, because there's a good type of sorrow. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. And here in verse 11, he lists seven things that godly sorrow should bring forth in you says, For behold, the selfsame thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you. You were full of care because of it. What clearing of yourselves. You don't want to do it again. Yeah, what, un- what indignation. You were angry about it. Uh, yea, what fear. Yea, what vehement desire. You want to serve the God, uh, God now. Yea, what zeal. Yea, what revenge. Because you're going to revenge that disobedience when your obedience is full. And all things you've approved yourself to be clear in this matter. Notice in those seven things, right at the heart of it, number four, fear. You know what? When you, when you saw after a godly sort, you know what God gives you? He gives you a good type of fear now. So like, you know what, God? I don't want to make the same mistake again. Help me to fear you. Help me not to do the same things that I've done because... You might not be so merciful next time. Amen? You might not be so merciful. His mercy endureth forever, but sometimes enough is enough. If you're consistently disobeying what God has made clear to you, sometimes enough is enough and God will call you home. Hey, it's in Corinthians that he, that in, in 1 Corinthians where he's telling people in chapter 11, you guys aren't taking the Lord's Supper seriously. You're not repenting. You're not judging yourselves. And that's why some of you are sick. And that's why some of you, God has taken home to be with him. I'm not saying that sickness is a judgment of God. I'm saying that's what the Bible says right there in that, in that, in that context. Sometimes God gives you illness because he wants you to be able to minister to somebody else that might have illness. Amen? Amen. I'm not saying that illness is the judgment of God. The Bible doesn't, make, doesn't say that thing, but I'm just saying what the Bible says. Hey, look at uh, verse number, um, look at uh, Ephesians chapter 5, right? Ephesians. All about the body of Christ, the book on the church, Ephesians chapter 5. I just want to show you that the fear of the Lord is not something for the Old Testament, and it's not just something for the, those who are going into the tribulation, it's something for right now. For right now, for us personally, Ephesians chapter 5, look at, um, for our walk, look at uh, verse number 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Hey, and then it goes on to say, wives submit unto your husbands and husbands love your wives. Hey, we should be submitting ourselves because we fear God. I should submit myself unto God because I know I have to give account for my wife now. So I have to submit myself to God because I have a fear of the judgment that I'm going to have to face because of how I'm now behaving to my wife. She's to submit herself to me because that's the way that God has ordered it. Children are supposed to submit themselves to both both of their parents because that's the way that God has laid it out. That's the way that God has made it. So you have covering, so you have protection. Listen, the fear of the Lord is always for your blessing. It's always for your good. Uh, look at um, uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, a parallel passage with what we read in, in uh, 
1 Peter chapter 2, but in Ephesians chapter 6, look at verse number 5. Servants, I mean, he says this a couple times, because uh, I think uh, if you actually want to get this in one hand and Colossians chapter 3 in another, uh, they go hand in hand with each other. So then you can have them both in both hands. So Colossians chapter 3 and Ephesians chapter 6. So in verse number 5 of, of Ephesians 6, it kind of goes with what we, we read in Peter. Servants, I guess this is a pretty important thing then, and maybe I'll explain why. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. And then it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse number 22, servants, obey in all things your masters, excuse me, according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Maybe he mentions servants more often about having the fear of God in you because that might be the best opportunity for you to be a witness to people. We most often don't work for people who are saved, right? Amen? I work for people, I work for Hackensack Meridian at home. Now everybody knows my birthday and where I work. That's another, not, not the greatest thing. Hopefully not that many people are watching. Uh, they're all, they're, most of them are lost. I don't think I've found one saved person in my company yet. But you know what? I could be a light there. If I, if, if I submit myself to them as unto the Lord, you know what they could see? Something's different about you. Why are you so kind? Why do you work late? Why do you pick up extra shifts like I probably should do more of? Why do you, uh, why, why do you have a kind personality? Why do people write good things about you in, 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 uh, in, in surveys of satisfaction and stuff like that? Because I fear God. <laughs> and I want you to be saved. So that's my impetus. The fear of the Lord is what's driving me. What should drive all of us to be good servants. Look at, uh, and then f- uh, finish with me here, this thought in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Look at verse number 12. Wherefore, or for this cause, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in both in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He says, listen guys, I, I've put this great salvation inside you. I want you to work it out with fear and trembling. Right? Look at uh, Psalms chapter 40. So others might be able to see, right? Look at Psalms chapter 40. Hopefully this makes sense, this thought, because I'm trying to make this. You work out your own salvation with fear and trembling so others might be able to see it. Because that, maybe that spirit of the fear of the Lord might be a little contagious and get on somebody else. Look at uh, Psalm chapter 40. Look at verse number 1. It says, I waited, David is speaking, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, rock and established my going. That's kind of like salvation, right? I mean... Maybe not the, the waiting patiently, but he heard your cry. He brought you out of a horrible pit of hell. He set you on a rock, Jesus Christ. He said, now you can go. Now you have a, an establishment of your goings. And watch the verse 3. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. You start talking about God, you start praising the Lord for this and praising the Lord for that, and let your light so shine before men, right? Because the light of Jesus Christ has to come first, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Hey, that might get people a little afraid. What's wrong with this guy? What's going on with this guy? Why does he do the things he does? Why does he not say the things he says? There's something different about you, because you have the fear of God in you. It's what makes you different. Uh... All right, so let's get practical now. How do we get the fear of the Lord in our lives? Amen? Well, because we need it, right? We, I, I, we, we see it at the beginning of our salvation. We, we need it in our, to have service. We need it to, to walk with the Lord. But how do we get it, right? Uh, well, the phrase, the fear of the Lord, appears 27 times in your Bible. 14 of those, so a little over half, are in Proverbs. Book of Wisdom. So let's go to Proverbs chapter 1. Wouldn't you know, it's really ironic, honestly, and it makes me kind of sad, that the man, Solomon, who wrote more about the fear of the Lord than anywhere else in the Bible, did not take heed to his own warnings. 
I don't want to be a castaway the same way. So I'm praying to God, give me the fear of the Lord in my life. I need it more. <laughs> Amen. So look at Proverbs chapter one. We already read. Listen, he start. I read. I quoted this to you before, but I want you to see. Look at verse seven. He starts the book. For the first six verses kind of like telling you what the book is going to be about, like talking about how to receive instruction, uh, how, how to understand a proverb. And then the first, if you have a paragraph marker there in verse seven, it's the first proverb of the book of Proverbs, really. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And that's kind of the, the theme of the book of, of Proverbs. You see wisdom and foolishness, right? There's, it's always comparing and contrasting, comparing and contrasting. But take it up with me, not in that verse. But look at verse number 24 of the same chapter. Because God will give wisdom, and He's after people. The spirit of wisdom is in the world, it's trying to woo people to Jesus Christ. Some people aren't going to call or answer the call, right? Look at verse 24. Because I have called and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have set at naught all my counsel and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh, that's a scary thought, I also will laugh at your calamity, I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. Why? For that they hated knowledge, and did not choose the fear of of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. There's coming a day where the lost are going to have their day in court. They're going to stand before the great white throne judgment. And God's going to say, I gave you my preachers. I gave you my word. I gave you this track right here. He's going to go all the instances where he said, I tried to reach you this way. I tried to reach you that way. You refused me and you didn't choose to fear me, but you chose to, to despise my word. So the first thing I want to say about the fear of the Lord to get in our lives is you have to choose it, <laughs> right? We, we read it way back in Psalm 34 when we started that it's something that has to be instructed. You have to choose to fear the Lord. It's not something that comes innately. It's not, listen, fears will come innately. The spirit of fear will come upon you. But you know what you have to do? You have to ask God and say, God, I want to fear you. I want to fear you more. You choose it. And look at Psalms chap- uh, Proverbs chapter 2 right there. And he gives you the example of how to get it now. Look at verse number 1. Watch the ifs. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart unto understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, this is how we get it, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, if, 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 then... Shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God? I said it before. I'm going to say it again. The closer you get to God, the closer you seek and search out who he is through this book, the fear of the Lord will come unto you. You'll get the fear of the Lord. He'll give it to you, but you get it through this book. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. It comes from his mouth. You get the spirit of God in you from, from eating his words, right? Jesus said, my words that I speak unto you, they are spirit in their life. You eat his book, you eat his word, you, you, you continue in those things, you seek after it, you cry after it, God will give you the fear of the Lord. Uh, look at um, look at Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8, just a couple more, we're almost done. Proverbs chapter 8, Proverbs chapter 8. Look at verse number 13. You know what the fear of the Lord will give the, the fear of the Lord will do? It'll keep you safe. Because it's going to keep you in the things that God wants you to be in. Right? Look at what it says in Proverbs 8, verse 13. It says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. My, my father-in-law says it all the time. God help us to hate sin. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. You know what the fear of the Lord will give you? It will give you a hatred for the same thing that God hates. And the Bible says in Psalm 19, uh, Psalm 19 9, David says, The fear of the fear. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. 
the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. It's a clean thing to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord, that spirit of fear to, to, to honor and, 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 and have Him in, in holy reverence as we ought to, is only going to be according to His Word. It's never going to go beyond the boundaries of His Word. He's not going to make you do something that, 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 he, that he doesn't already agree with in His Word. The spirit of the, of the fear of the Lord is the same spirit of, as the Holy Spirit. It's going to line up with this book. It's going to keep you within those bounds so you're safe. It's going to make you hate the things that God hates and it's going to make you love the things that God loves. So why should you walk in the fear of the Lord? Right? Uh, we have to choose the fear of the Lord. We have to submit ourselves to this book so that we can get the fear of the Lord. Uh, the fear of the Lord is uh, something that's going to keep us safe and in the right bounds. But why should we walk in the fear of the Lord? Right? Look at Proverbs chapter 10. Right? Because there's, there's always a carrot and a stick. Proverbs chapter 10. Look at verse number 27. I'm just following the phrase throughout the Bible. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. It says right there that it's going to give you a longer life, maybe a longer life than you would have had. Hey, if you go off uh, uh, in, 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 into sin and you go off, you know what that's going to do? It's going to, you're, going to, you're going to sow sow to your flesh and you're going to reap corruption. One way or another, it's going to catch up to you and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So somewhere along the line, it's going to catch up to you. Maybe you'll die sooner than you have to. Now, I'm not saying that sometimes we see young people go to be with the Lord, but hey, if they had the fear of the Lord to, to have the impetus to be saved, no matter what, they're going to have an eternity, right? So no matter what, the fear of the Lord prolonged days, regardless whether it be down here or up there. But watch it. The years of the wicked shall be shortened. It ain't going to last for the wicked. Look at uh, Proverbs 14. So that's one reason to keep going for the, uh, to walk in the fear of the Lord. Give you a little bit longer life, maybe. Look at Proverbs chapter 14. Look at verse 26. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. Hey, if you have the fear of God, if you have the fear of the Lord, you have confidence to build, some, to build your life upon. I mean... I don't know how people don't how people in the world do it. I don't know how they make decisions, how they go about their day. I have so much more confidence and something that I can build upon because of God, because He's given me that. And it says, and His children shall have a place of refuge. I can hide myself in God because I've had His fear. He says that he's, he, His eye is upon them that fear Him, right? So I can go to God and say, Lord, I need you. And because I fear him, I know I'm heard. It says in verse 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Hey, he's going to give you, uh, like I said before, he'll give you eternal life. He'll give you more life. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. You won't get caught up in those, uh, you won't get caught up in going to hell. Look at uh, Psalms chapter, I mean, Proverbs chapter 19. Proverbs chapter 19. It says that the fear of the Lord tendeth or leads to or leans towards to life. And he that hath it, if you have the fear of the Lord, shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. I mean, God may let that evil day come, but you know what? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Why? Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That rod, that fear that I get from you, God, you're going to keep me through. You know, the, the snares of death may encompass me, but God's going to get you through it. Uh, he's going to, he, and it says, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. You'll be satisfied uh, when you have the fear of the Lord. Look at uh, Proverbs 22. Look at verse number 4. He'll satisfy you. He'll give you a long life. Look at this. He says, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. There's a reward waiting for you if you fear God now. Right? Look at um, chapter 23. Look at chapter 23, verse number 17. Hey, let not thine eyes, 23:17. let not thine heart, I, I'm sorry, envy sinners. You see people getting the nice car, the nice job. Man, they got a maid down here. They got the three-car garage. It says, let not thine heart uh, envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all, day, all the day long. They have it good down here, but if they die, if Elon Musk, I don't know if he's saved, but if Elon Musk 
all the money in the world, what's it worth? Gone. He's in hell for eternity. But what does it say? For surely, verse 18, there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. Hey, let's go, last, last, last portion of Scripture, Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. It's not in vain to fear God. It's not in vain because there's a reward for them that fear Him. Malachi chapter 3, and I want to encourage you tonight that we might walk in the fear of the Lord. Look at uh, Proverbs, I'm sorry, Malachi chapter 3, look at verse number uh, 14, right? So, God is rebuking Israel. He says, ye have said, this is some of the people in the nation, it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept His ordinance and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? You know, maybe sometimes you feel like that. Maybe sometimes you say, what's the point, God? And now we call the proud happy. Yea, they that work wickedness are set up. You see the wicked around you, they're, they're living it up. They got all, 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 this, uh, all their, their lives seems to be going the right direction. Yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. That's what you think. But look at verse number 16. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. He says, I'm paying attention. I'm watching. I know who fears me and who doesn't. I know. And don't worry. And they shall be mine. Verse 17, saith the Lord of hosts in that day when I make up my jewels and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall ye return, those people who are saying, it's not worth it to serve God. It's not worth it to fear God. It's not worth it. Then shall ye return and discern. You'll be able to see the difference right then and there, that day, between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. Hey, one day, right, we read it before, the fear of the Lord (laughs) tendeth, uh, uh, with humility and the fear of the Lord, you get riches and honor and life. We get to be, listen, Jesus Christ came down and humbled himself and lived a, I mean, and, and uh, lived a sinless life, died a horrible, gruesome death in the fear of the Lord. But his reward is an eternity as the king. Amen. We get to take part if we walk in the fear of the Lord in that kingdom. And we get to have the blessings just like him. That's the beauty. That's why we should walk in the fear of the Lord. It's not just for naught. There's hope in it. There's a reason for it. I mean, one, you're safe. Two, you get rewards for it. I mean, what more do you want? God will give it to you if you ask Him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank You for this day. We do thank You, Father God, for Your Word, Lord, that instructs us, Lord, in how we...